Welcome back to Caminantes. In the next few episodes, we'll be speaking with artists who have been part of past Caminos festivals to talk about new work development and life after Caminos. This week, we are talking to playwright, screenwriter, director, and actress, Rosa Laborde. Let's get started. We know you were part of the Caminos Festival, so we wanted to ask, Caminos is a work-in-process festival. Do you have any helpful tips for someone who's just starting to develop a new piece? What's a helpful tip or approach you wish to remember during a development process of your own work? Yeah, well, I think what's so beautiful about having a development festival is being given permission to explore and discovery. I think what's so helpful when going into developing a new piece is to have an intention of what it is that you are hoping to accomplish. I think that when we're artists and we're so used to this model of needing approval, of of needing people to like it, needing to um, apply properly for a grant so we get a decent amount of money, that we can start to really externalize Um, our artistic process. And I think it's so important to have an internal um, compass that actually says, well, what I want to do is this. It doesn't mean that you know how. It doesn't mean that you've done it yet. It doesn't mean that you have really any kind of map or pathway ahead of you. But it does mean that you have a very strong internal sense of at least a feeling of what it is that you're hoping to convey because that will guide you in the moments where something isn't working and someone says oh you know what would be really good is if you did this and if you're feeling unstable in your work as an artist you go oh yeah i better i'm gonna do that and then your piece starts to derail in a way that one day you go is this mine like what is this that i made so i think one of the first tools in creating something new is going, I, this is, this is what I'm hoping to get to. And then you can very clearly, when you get some kind of input from the outside, go take it, never say no, 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 right away. It's okay to take it. Don't be afraid of the comments, but don't also be um, doubtful of your own power and of your own voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's like a belief in one's own artistic uh, voice really um, is like the first thing and the idea, the kernel, the seed of what you're doing. And I mean, when you're applying to Caminos, it always is with that seed. So really having a sense of what that seed is, is the first thing. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. In, in a development process for your pieces or for your creative process, what is essential to Rosa Laborde's process? And what is a luxury? Like, do you have anything that you absolutely need? that's consistent or is it always changing? One needs, I think, um, sleep, rest, self-care, like very basic things that lead to your ability to sit down and have time to process, to be able to walk, to think, to journal. And I don't journal in the way of, of, this is what happened today and what I'm feeling. I journal in the sense of what is this idea that I'm exploring that is complicated. And I'm working it out. And paper with a with a pencil is actually one of the easiest ways for me to work that out. It's like a little story room with yourself. So that to me is essential from the what am I creating perspective. The other is 
who are you developing with and do they understand you mm. and can you communicate like beyond everything do you have people who you can communicate with who understand what you're trying to do those are the two things like just in that just in that beginning thrust of um you know it's sort of time and space and i think both of those space is both the actual you know time and space that you've created but it's also the space you've created with the people around you that allows you to express more what you're saying that aren't going to shut you down that are open to what you're attempting is there a luxury that you enjoy having with you something that's nice to have i think you know people have all sorts of different processes so some people are like and if at the end of every day somebody gives me a glass of pineapple juice it'll be a great day just you know anything sort of very rosa specific oh my goodness i don't even know i think that um affirmation is a luxury when people say i see what you're you know that can be i mean and it's it actually doesn't cost anything people who mm. sort of and not that we should be out there seeking approval but i think while you're creating people who go oh yeah i like this direction you're going in that's a really beautiful luxury to have yeah. um i also think um the luxury of and what you'd get with caminos is like rehearsal space creation space also treats are great you know water <laughs> yes. i think it's really beautiful to be, give people snacks and so i try to yes. do that even in covid we have made sure at our rehearsal that we have individually wrapped snacks so there's granola bars and Aww. tea and things that you can have i think that's, that's awesome good. what is the impact of work in process presentation for your new work like caminos or something else and also i want to see like how the, do you manage in the early stages of development uh, the audience reaction, like how much do you take away from it and how much do you are like, I love that reaction, but I'm not going to go on that uh, on that way. Well, I am pretty into audiences. I mean, I think that that's who we're doing it for. It's one of my, so one of my favorite things about a festival like Caminos are having the opportunity to show something that may not be finished to an audience is the information you're getting from it is invaluable. Um, and one of my favorite quotes the actor Philip Seymour Hoffman who also directed the late Philip Seymour Hoffman had an interview once and the interviewer said I've heard that for you it matters that every single moment on stage is is like you know exactly what's happening every single moment and he said why does that matter to you and the answer was Philip said because people are watching and I thought that was just my favorite thing because it is. And I feel like if you're making this in a bubble for you or for whatever, without thinking of who you're offering it to, it's an offer. That's all it is. It's just a share. It's like a bigger show and tell than when you were little. It's a share. And so for me, the audience's reaction is really important. Now, that doesn't mean that you are going out there for everybody to like it because it's not possible but your kind of target audience or those that you're hoping to reach, that they say, oh, this, I loved it. It was funny. You could feel it. This was moving. That, yeah, you you move with that. And if they were really uncertain or perplexed or puzzled or lost on something, you take that in very seriously and into account because eventually you're asking them to buy tickets. Not only is it the money that I think matters, for me now more than anything, it's time. We're so over exhausted. We're so tired. It's so easy to be cozy at home. And when I make somebody leave their house, 
to come do something, uh, I hope that I'm making them an offer that they would like to receive. So I think it's so important and I think it's critical on the artistic path. So that's why these festivals are just incredible because it really gives you an opportunity. And I honestly believe that many audience members really like to be a part of that process. They, cause you feel, they feel that they're uh, also a contributor. So it becomes like this yeah. beautiful kind of marriage between the two that says we're creating something together. Oh, audiences. I miss them. I know. Though it's nice, the chat that you had like this year yeah. in uh, in Caminos, because it kind of, I find chats very, um, I find I'm very shy, but I, I do it. And I especially did it with Caminos because it just felt like that's how we're showing that we're present. Mm-hmm. Since your presentation at Caminos uh, many years ago, your pieces have been adapted and transformed into published text and audio plays. <laughs> so is there a medium that you're interested in exploring more? Is there anything that you want to dig into? I mean, I'm going to keep doing this, making Good. plays. And them, <laughs> them being published is always interesting because for me, a play is totally unfinished. And so the play that's going up right now is published and I'm totally not big things but cutting things little rewrites you know because and so it's so funny to think god this book is out there but thankfully like it hasn't sold a lot of copies so i don't think it's gonna um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm totally just crossing things out and so i like it's an honor when leo was turned into an audio play it's just an honor um i would more prose. Uh, So I have been working on a collection of short stories. I'm still working on that. And I do work in television and film and I've adapted other people's um, work, but I, um, I love the medium and I, I don't know about adapting more of my work to it, but for me, it's actually at the base. It's just storytelling. It's all the same. It's all the same. And so it's whatever medium the story is requesting. This one says it's a play. This one says it's a story. This one says it's a movie. And that you kind of respect its its voice. Because I do believe in the notion, and it is a bit, you know, I guess spiritual, that things are trying to speak through you. Things are trying to speak through us all the time. And you just go, okay, yes, you. I'll, I'll, I'll follow you. I'll take you down the path. And you told me you're a TV show. So here we go. I, I was thinking about Leo and it was so important to me because even though I had hadn't the chance to see it live because I don't I don't know if I was in the country by that point but to just listen to it I was like wow like I think mediums can travel how do you feel when when you hear your work uh like somebody else took it and did it how how do you think that 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 travels when you hear somebody else's proposition from your work well, if I'm honest, that can be a complicated relationship for me because I'm, um, I'd like to say a recovering perfectionist, but I don't know that I'm recovering at all. Um, but I at least acknowledge now that I don't believe it is a positive trait. I think there's been a lot of, you know, it's so good to be a perfectionist. And I think actually the toxic side of it that I kind of came to in the last few years is that what you're trying to cover is a kind of shame or a kind of never wanting to appear wrong or um, never be misunderstood, never. So it's actually more about trying to not be something than trying to be something. Um, And I wanna make great work with wonderful people, but I don't want to be abusive, self-harming, which I think perfectionism leads to. 
and and I don't want to be unkind to others, which I think it can also lead to. And so for me, it's actually taken years to um, be the more and more and more and more collaborative and allow the all the ideas are beautiful so I can hear something and before be like that's not how I would have I would have done it like this I'm not speaking about the Leo yeah. audio play because that was beautiful <laughs> um and Carlos my friend directed it, and everyone in it is gorgeous but in times for me where you hear something you go, that's not that's not it and then I had a beautiful experience with the production of a play of mine that wasn't mine that was out of town where I just went oh my god no no and then I went back and I thought how gorgeous that anyone would take their energy and their time and their spirit to dedicate themselves to to doing this work to trying to embody this work and i was able to see it all as a really big gift and it was transformative for me because that's when i really understood that all we're doing is sharing we're just sharing something and the levels you share it on are profound because it's through the artists that are going to work on it then the other audiences that are going to see the work that then went through another channel um and so my relationship to it now is like just very grateful but i'm going to add to it which yeah. is that your first production and when you're first doing like say your camino's first seat of something do make sure that you are working the people who understand mm -hmm your vision that so that you at least get a moment to express what you, what you originally intended you might discover five years later when someone else does a, a production of your work that they actually get it more than you do because mm -hmm. i do think we unconsciously create but I, I really feel like um getting that moment to express and then you can really let mm -hmm. it go that's very important super important yeah and i also think a lot of people struggle with perfectionism especially at the beginning of their development time yeah because you, you do want to be validated in that vulnerability. Right now, you're working on a piece that's on stage, live in front of people in downtown Toronto. Anybody could come see it if they wanted. Uh, so True is on stage right now as part of the Rendezvous Ma with Madness Festival. How are you feeling about returning to live theater with this show, and especially in this brand new theater? Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. It was a long time coming. And actually, Aluna was their co-producer on this when it very first went up in so seven years ago. And the festival has wanted it to be a part of the festival for the last four years um, to inaugurate this new theater space. But it took a long time for the building to be built. So then it wasn't ready. And then it was COVID. And then it was COVID again. Like, so it went virtual, I guess, two times. I don't know. And then really... I have to admit up to, I also had a baby in the last year and a half. And so then thinking, oh gosh, are we going to go into rehearsal? And I think everyone was in a bit of denial that it was, oh, it's probably not going to happen because we had so many lockdowns, even up to, and at this point, everyone is hired, all the funding is in. Three days before we were starting rehearsal, I got a call from the festival director saying, so there's a new committee at the hospital because the theater is inside Cam H. They're called the New Normal Committee, and they have decided that there can be no gatherings of more than 25 people. So no shows. And cool. we just went, I said, I can't cancel. I mean, I have to pay everyone. It's just not fair. It's, she said, no, no, we're going to find another theater. And so we didn't even have a theater, we thought, for a few days right before rehearsal. So it's been so touch and go. Um, thankfully, the decision was made to let the festival go on. We are staying at 50%. It just feels safer for 
the company for everyone. It's the safest building. It's super filtered. There's screening, proof of vaccination, masks, social distancing. It feels absolutely safe. And what's so cool is that the original piece was um, site-specific in a little cafe on Queen Street called Citizenry. It's now called the Citizen Room and it's no longer a cafe, it's clothing shop only. But from the theater, there's a side, the glass side, which will be closed when audience members come in. You walk down, you can see the original space from out the window of the new space. And it was really meaningful to me. That space specifically was chosen also, I loved it, but it was across from CAMH. Like it felt very important at the time. So now to be flipped and be in CAMH, looking onto the little space that originated, the story is really, uh, it's quite beautiful. Hmm. But I will add that an interesting thing about being in a hospital is that there are code calls and they do come on in the theater. Right. <laughs> like right. possibly during a show. Our dress rehearsal last night did not have one, but other ones might. Like Code White, come to what I, and there's just not a thing we can do. We've tried, but can we turn those down? Like it's a theater. It's no one's like a doctor in there who's meant to be somewhere, but it can't be turned down. So little things like that are really interesting yeah do you have a plan if it happens i'm gonna be so honest right now monica that we up until yesterday were very hopeful it was going to like the head of this oh the boss of this person oh the boss of this person oh the boss of this person someone's finally of course even the festival director will let us turn it at least down i even brought side blankets um sound blankets if we could find the speakers which we can't they're like embedded up yeah in the wall 50 feet up you know there's no it's like we just cover them like it's just been this I've been living in magical thinking. There's a way out of this. And so we only found out really at the end of day yesterday before our dress rehearsal. And I said to the actors, guess what? And we, it was an invited dress. There were, it was very small. Um, I said, it's going to happen. What do you want to do? And they said, well, we haven't rehearsed anything. So let's just keep doing what we've been doing in rehearsal, which is like we pretend they're not happening. <laughs> Yeah. And so that's what we did last night, which was, but there weren't any. So we didn't even get to see how that read because yeah. I was going to ask the invited, you know, attendants to let me know how they felt. So we're going to talk about it again today or tomorrow. We have the day off tomorrow we open. Um, we're going to talk about it again. And then I think the festival director will make an announcement that that's happening. And then we're just going to see. I mean, maybe there won't be any, maybe there will. Our plan is still in development. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I find that it's like, it sounds like how we did like theater plays in Zoom of stuff like that. And it sounds like you're prepared for everything. If your internet goes out, if there's uh, ambulance going back, if there's like many things. So I feel like, yeah, almost like uh, how this like, language or reality develop on like the Zoom virtual world, which is like things can happen and you must keep being part of this story. So I feel it translates into how the reality of the world is still kind of like happening right now. So that's why I was curious. It's totally. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. It really is like, how are we going to, how is this going to work? And I think people will be more open to it because, you know, people haven't really been out. Yeah, you want it live? This is know. as live as it's gonna get. <laughs> yeah, this theater, is live. Theaters never happened in a in a bubble. Mm-hmm. So it's just what where are you? <laughs> what bubble yeah. are you in? <laughs> so do you have any memories that stick out to you about past Caminos festivals? It could be your own work or any that you've seen. Any interesting stories about Caminos festivals from the past? I mean, I've loved 
I've loved so many Caminos and I've been a part of them and other would like just to have a reading and then also to have the big workshop of marine life, which I think is the one people were talking about because we performed it about four days, three or four days. So it's not that I want to talk about my work. It's just this very specific thing is probably one of my favorite theatrical memories ever. And I, I can't believe we did it. Like thinking of it now, I think Trevor Schwellness, you're just like, sure, we're going to do that. We're going to, we're going to order two massive blocks of ice and we're going to bring them on stage, which we did. This massive blocks of ice and it was gorgeous and the light came through and they would sort of melt and it was just incredible. And at one point, the actor, he has this little bottle of pills and he put the bottle of pills on the ice block and because it was melting, it just started to slide and it was this incredible moment in the theater because him and the other actor were watching and the whole audience and that the moment in theater that can't be recreated because it was not meant to happen but everyone is watching this pill bottle go down this block of ice and just laughing and just so in it and i i just love that moment because it's the moments where we really unite because they are we all know that they're the one of a kind moment. They're that it's all just happening for us right in this moment. And I mean, that was an experiment because to afford the blocks of ice for every performance in any other run was just not going to be possible. It's all, all the kind thing, the water, the wood. So that was just total experimentation. Like Trevor just went, yeah, we're going to get these blocks of ice. And, and we just did it. And then we had this incredible moment out of it. It's just one of my favorite really memories of making a play ever. Mm, that's beautiful. The last question we have for you is, we like to ask our current guest to pose a question to our next guest so we can keep the conversation going across borders, physical, spiritual, mental, psychological, all of that, artistic. So, Rosa, if you could ask a question of our next guest, who is also an artist somewhere in the Americas on Turtle Island in Abiyayala, what would you ask them? Okay, and this sort of comes like with the, you know, what Bea said about everyone singing along um, with, with the show that I did. And a question that came up for me at, in my full run of Marine Life at the Tarragon when I had, um, if these were audience members from Mexico, and they said, do you, do people here get your work? Because we get your work. Do they understand you? And it's a really particular different thing. And I was raised primarily in Chilean, it's Chilean household. And um, I do believe that we live in a kind of different, the Latin American world is a different world. And I've been always in this weird hybrid world. But my question is, how do you think your cultural heritage translates into a different culture? What is lost in translation? What can you do that, like, say, in your home country or your, you know, your origin country that you can't do here and how do you bridge those gaps or I'm just so curious about that because it's something that I think about a lot it just it's like what is lost in translation and what what comes through mm, I think that's a great yeah. question I'm excited to ask it and if you want to hear the answer you can listen to the next episode and it'll be there all right so that's all for us thank you so much for being uh -huh. here Congrats on your opening night yes. of your first live show post first lockdown. Thank you. Please come. Can't wait to be there. Don't miss True by Rosa Laborde, November 4th and 5th in the brand new CAMH Auditorium as part of the Rendezvous with Madness Festival. For more details, check out the show notes.
We are speaking to you from the shores of this beautiful Zagaigan, known to some as Lake Ontario, in Toronto, or Dugarondo. This is the ancestral territory of the Haudenosaunee, or Longhouse Confederacy, the Anishinaabek Nation, the Wendat, and the Mississaugas of the Credit. This land is covered by the Dish with One Spoon Wampum and Treaty 13, also known as the Toronto Purchase. Araluna, we remember that people can begin to heal when they are hurt. We are committed to artful participation in disagreements. We are committed to unsettling ourselves towards connection, respect, and justice for all people who now live in this city, which has been a meeting place since time immemorial. Radio Aluna Teatro is produced by Aluna Theatre, with support from the Toronto Arts Council, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Department of Canadian Heritage, and TD Bank. Aluna Theatre is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Shellness, with Sue Ballant. Radio Aluna Theatre is produced by Monica Garrido and Camila Diaz Varela. For more about Aluna Theatre, visit us at alunatheatre.ca, follow at Aluna Theatre on Twitter or Instagram, or like us on Facebook. Miigwech and Nyawangoa.